Joining us now is someone we've been trying to get on this program for quite some time. He is uh, Professor Howard McKinney. It's a pleasure to be here. Are you the Department of Pharmacology or the Department of Pharmacy? Well, now, this is always confusing to everybody. Let me give you a slight, brief history of this whole thing. I went to college like everybody else, and when I left college, I went to a school of pharmacy for four years. Okay. A physician, for instance, goes to a school of medicine for four years and gets an MD degree. Yes. I went to the pharmacy school for four years, and I got what is called a PharmD degree. Not okay. with an F. With a P-H-A-R-M-D, uh -huh. a doctor of pharmacy. So I am actually Dr. Howard McKinney, and I am working currently at UC Davis Med Center in Sacramento, where I work inside the hospital and take care of surgical ICU units and operating rooms and anesthesia and all that sort of thing. So I am also a registered pharmacist, but yes, I have this degree of doctor of pharmacy. And the department, though, is called... Our department is the Department of Pharmacy. Okay. That's inside the hospital. Okay. Well, uh, you know, as, as UC Davis's uh, radio station, we are, we are proud to have you aboard, sir. Super. Now, uh, I, I, I've been meaning to get you on for a while, and, we're gonna, and, and, we, and we mean to bring you on again in the future, sir. That'd be excellent. But uh, the, what, what, the story that just cried out for your input on this program <laughs> was uh, an item I got of The Week magazine referring to a dog track in Florida where I guess they're fond of racing greyhounds. Correct. And uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently numerous of the dogs tested positive for cocaine oh in the bloodstream. Goodness which caused the owners of the track to say, well, you know, a lot of those handlers may have been using cocaine and in petting and handling the dogs, it may have entered their system. <laughs> I would like your comments on this. Well, we could, we could only venture a guess at the nose-to-dog <laughs> link for the cocaine, but uh, there, there actually are some interesting things to see there, possibly. Yeah. Um, I would also add that I'm board certified in toxicology. Well, then you are, you are a fully qualified expert to address the issue of the cocaine-sniffing greyhounds. That is correct. Well, careful now. We have no allegation that these greyhounds <laughs> were sniffing. They were merely... Yeah, they tested positive. Okay. Correct. Sniffing cocaine by a greyhound would truly be an extraordinary event. Okay. I mean, lights, camera, action. <laughs> but what we had here was, as I understand it from you, basically the hair, the body of the dog had cocaine. Present. Well, now, I don't have the story in front of me, unfortunately, so I don't know whether it was a blood test or, or another, another form of test no, of, of tissue, but... Well, let me just tell you a, a wonderful little story that occurred in Florida as well about a decade ago. Okay. Is there was a group of investigators that was prompted by, if I remember correctly, a medical examiner in Miami, a rather famous gentleman who uh, has... Uh, in part become famous because of his work on forensic toxicology with drugs of abuse in Florida. Okay. And uh, one of the things that uh, some of his group did is they went around and collected 20 and $100 bills from the Miami area. Okay. All over the place. Grocery stores, Walmarts, wherever. You name it, uh -huh. they just collected them. And they ran all of them for cocaine assays, and almost every one <laughs> of the bills had cocaine on them. So uh, this implies that all over Florida, virtually every bill is at some point on it rolled up into a straw-like structure, which is then used to uh, snort cocaine. Well, Morton Salt told us when it <laughs> rains, it pours. So in this case, maybe when it rains, it snows. 
So uh, the, the question remains, could, uh, could, could the Greyhounds possibly achieve uh, levels in their blood? Or are you, are you saying this is like the issue of, of the paper money, that perhaps the dogs, just there's so much... It would seem almost impossible that you could get enough cocaine <laughs> looking at the way that dogs do not sweat. Well, now that's what I was thinking. Right? Yeah. Dogs pant. Right. That's how they cool themselves. Right. Now, we sweat. So you can actually get absorption of a number of chemicals through the skin of a homo sapien that would not work through the skin of a canine. Yes. And if you're talking about dog handlers, and let's just make this ridiculous, that are just covered <laughs> with cocaine. I mean, pounds of the stuff just dripping like, off their brow. Like a powdered donut. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Then... <laughs> Absolutely, you're going to find cocaine in the dog hair. <laughs> you're going to find it on the skin. You're uh -huh. going to find it on the ground. You're going to find it in the brushes and various tools that are perhaps used to uh, manipulate the dogs and clean them and what have you. Uh -huh. But to actually get it in the dog's blood, yeah. that step is a whole other transfer that does not make intuitive sense to me. Yeah. That would imply that perhaps it was in the food. Yeah. Maybe there was some contact with blood. They were doing something. Well, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that, that dogs, as people do, um, would tend to get a little bit revved up with the use of cocaine, and that I presume this would make them run a little faster at the track. Um, that is a possibility, but one needs to remember that there's some paradoxical reactions to a number of central nervous system active drugs in dogs and cats. Uh -huh. And uh, the cocaine, um, as a performance enhancer in athletics, is notoriously unsuccessful, partly because of its short duration of action, uh -huh. and partly also because what it tends to do is release a huge bolt of catecholamines, which you use quickly, uh -huh. that deplete quickly, that leave you with no gas in your tank after yeah. a very short period of time. Yeah, but a dog race is a pretty quick affair, isn't it? I mean, I've never seen one, but I, they, they're kind of over, over like, you know. They are. They are. And uh, there's a number of drugs that have been used to uh, dope greyhounds specifically to enhance their running. Mm -hmm. uh, but cocaine is not one of them. Really. All right. Well, then, then, the question, then the question has to be asked, why were the dogs testing positive for cocaine? What were they actually looking at? What was the, the biological sample material? Was it hair? Was it sweat? Oh, I, I believe it was blood. Blood. That's bizarre. That now, is, now, now you're forcing me to go back and have to go do my homework to, to find that for, for, for the next program. You know, and this opens <laughs> the gateway to another program. Yeah, well, okay, and well, and <laughs> yes, it does, and we'll bring you back for that. I wish that... Uh, Unlike other, unlike Rush Limbaugh and other programs, now we feel bad if we don't have our facts completely straight, and we're going to straighten that out by next week. Super. All right. Well. Uh, so, do the two of us have a trip to Florida in our future? To actually investigate the matter firsthand. Absolutely. Well, I'll I'll talk to the general manager here at the station see if we can find some funds for that. <laughs> I happen to know some excellent forensic chemists. All right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll I'll give Stephen Valentino a call and see what we can come up with. <laughs> Dr. McKinney. Thank you so much, and we look forward to clearing up uh, a few uh, issues in pharmacy. It's been a real pleasure and a lot of fun. All righty. Thank you.
All right, joining us now is our special media correspondent, Mr. Gary Chu. Gary, are you there? Hi, Doug. How are you doing? We're, we're doing just splendidly. Oh, great. Great. Now, you, you, have, some, uh, you have something to report back on, uh, having seen? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm one of the... I don't know how many people did see it the last week. It was the um, Out Fox, the Robert Greenwald film. Yes. Yes, we had... Uh, one, uh, sort of in the same genre as uh, Fahrenheit 9-11. Yes, we had Greenwald on our show. He's done some excellent, uh, some excellent documentaries. Uh, Uncovered the truth about the war in Iraq was his effort last year, mm-hmm. and he's, I guess, I guess he's going after Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, and uh, Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity and all of those people that uh, Al Franken loves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Al Franken calls liar. Yeah. <laughs> this is like Al Franken's book part two, I guess. Something like that. Yeah. Well, you know the. Uh, I, I really wanted to see it, and uh, it's not really something that I need to see personally, because uh, it didn't take but about two days of watching Fox News many years ago to realize, uh, for me, that it was not where I needed to get my news from, <laughs> or I mean, if you want to call it that. Right. Uh, and so, I, actually, what I think, that what's going on here, particularly with Michael Moore's film and Greenwald's film and all these other films too that have been coming out. There's one about the, the hunting of the president too. I can't remember who made that film. Yeah, I've heard that's about good. About the way they've dogged Clinton for the, all those many years, trying to find something on him, and, and finally did get that one thing on him and, and got him impeached, but not convicted uh, with Monica. Right. Fifty thousand dollar real estate deal in Arkansas and wound right. up with a with a uh, right. Bodily fluid stained dress and an impeachment. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, these kind of movies that are coming out now are indicative of the fact that the distribution of information has been so throttled for so long in the United States and it's getting worse and worse, particularly yeah. through the mega conglomerates right. of television and also the movie distributors, that there are things that the general populace in the United States is not privy to or not even has the option to go and buy a ticket or buy a membership to find or see something. Yeah. So these things are finally bubbling up to the surface, and uh, we've got the Michael Moore movies and Greenwalls uh, now outfoxed uh, coming up uh, just out of sheer will right. you know, of, the, of, of, of Americans who want to get some of this information out, and I'm glad it's coming out. Now, some of it's flawed, some of it's hyperbolic, some of it, it's definitely their op-ed pieces, yeah. but I think they need to be out, and I know that uh, 9-11, and I wouldn't be surprised that well, Outfoxed uh, is going to do, in fact, I read on somewhere today, I think Outfoxed is uh, the number one DVD on Amazon.com as we speak, so it's doing pretty well for people just to, to order, that's what I've heard. I, I can't verify that. However... Outfox to me was something that I sort of already knew. It's Tell us what's in it uh, in terms of Fox. I mean, oh, okay. We, yeah. Okay. What, what, okay. Well, basically, it talks. It shows some memos about the, how they're supposed to treat some stories. I can't give you specificity on it now because I didn't take notes on it because it was at a sort of a part, a house party, you know, in the, in the guy's DVD machine. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, how they handle that. Also, it talked about a little the first one of the first TV stations that Rupert Bur- Murdoch had, which was. Uh, WTTG Channel 5 in Washington, D.C., okay. an independent, um, and that's where it all sort of got started there as far as America is concerned. 
and uh, mainly they, they lean on Bill O'Reilly most. I think uh, Bill O'Reilly is their big gun. He's got really strong ratings on television. Right. Uh, although Al Franken is beating him on the radio, I understand, in right. New York City. However, uh, O'Reilly really is a, is a master propagandist, uh, as according to this film, and I tend to agree with him, and also why they stack the shows. The Sean Hannity and Combs uh, <laughs> shows are also stacked. I always liked the way in Al Franken's book, every time he put Combs' name, it was in tiny type. Exactly. exactly. Hannity and I read the first, the first into the first page or two of that when I saw that I thought it was a typo. <laughs> then I realized it was Al Franken humor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th this uh, film runs is a fairly long film. It runs about an hour and twenty minutes, and it just got a, it's got a lot of uh, edits in it uh, of different people uh, on Fox that you see, and there are some people who speak anonymously with their voices changed uh -huh. because who were former producers yeah. or news reporters for Fox who are still afraid for one reason or another, sure. career-wise, to say anything. Then there are some people who come out uh, openly and talk about the various things that uh, they were not well, supposed it, to do or cajoled to do or manipulated to do. Sounds like it's one we should see. Where can we take this thing in? Well, you know, uh, it's available uh, online uh, at some of the various, uh, you know, like uh, moveon.org yeah, got it, the uh, alternate. I'm not sure what some of the... the, the the different ones are. All right. However, uh, anybody who's really searching it out can just obviously Google outfoxed and Robert Greenwald. All right. Well, we got and some. We can do that, and you can find it, and you can buy it for like thirty bucks or something like that. Well, we'll snag a copy here at UC Davis here at the station. See if we can't take a look at it ourselves, and then maybe even uh, touch base with you again afterwards. Love to. Gary, thanks as always. Okay. Good to talk with you, Doug. All right. We'll talk soon. Well, we've got just a couple minutes left here in the program today, um, so let's just do a couple miscellaneous news items. Apparently, activists, according to the Associated Press, are defying the new limits established on June 30th, um, trying to tighten the noose around Castro's Cuba. Some activists have decided to take medicines down there anyway and directly challenge these new rules that make it very tough to send money or to have people visit or have exchange of ideas, etc., etc., this is good, and I'm glad to see this, especially in the wake of the fact that George Bush is trying to claim that Fidel Castro is operating child prostitution sex rings in Cuba. Now, I'm not a fan of Fidel Castro, but I gotta tell you, of whatever crimes he's guilty of, running child prostitution rings is not one of them. This is poppycock. This is simply not true. You have to trust me on this one. I'm not telling you why my intelligence on this is good, but it is. And I'm here to tell you again, it's just not true. And some really good news to, uh, to kind of bring this show to a close. They're beginning a huge wetlands project on San Francisco Bay. It's one of the nation's most ambitious environmental restoration projects. Um, they're going to take some salt ponds that have been used to, uh, to produce salt by drying out the seawater, and they're going to return them back to wetland status and restore the bay as it used to be uh, a century and a half ago. Now, if you go back not that far in time, say the time of, uh, 
of Jack London, there were oysters all over the southern part of San Francisco Bay. I remember my dad telling me uh, stories while we crossed the Dumbarton Bridge about how when he was a kid in the 1930s, there were all sorts of schools of fish that would come in, uh, shiners they were called, and people would go out and catch them in huge numbers. Uh, that uh, is sadly no longer the case, but with some restoration of the terrain, we may see a lot of fish and uh, bird life and mammalian life returning to uh, to these areas. This is very, very exciting, and I hope that we can uh, follow the story with you. And we want to point out that on next week's program, Lawrence Teeter, the attorney for Sirhan Sirhan, is going to return to this program in conjunction with the opening on July 30th of the revised version of The Manchurian Candidate. It's uh, Mr. Teeter's contention that his client, Sirhan, may represent something of a real-life Manchurian candidate. It's, uh, it's a very provocative but uh, compelling tale he has to tell, and I'm looking forward to bringing him to you next Thursday. Returning to our show now is uh, Crazy Eddie Chalabi, one of our correspondents from Baghdad, Iraq. Hey, how you doing, doggy? Well, we're fine, Crazy Eddie. How's the scene over there in Baghdad? Well, the scene is okay. Uh, not great, but okay. Uh, I gotta tell you, this guy Yadawawi is no ball of fire. Yeah. Uh, how, how's your Uncle Ahmed? He's good, good. Thanks for asking. If my uncle was running this place, things would be a lot more ship-shape. And by the way, if any of those Marines that rousted my Uncle Ahmed are listening... We want the presidential seals ashtrays back pronto. Listen, Bush gave them to Uncle. Like he'd swipe them from the Oval Office. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Your cousin, I guess. He's a prosecutor for Saddam Hussein. <laughs> if I was Saddam, I wouldn't be planning no trips anytime soon. My cousin is the Matlock of Iraq. Uh-huh. So Saddam's going down. <laughs> down hard, baby. No community service for that guy. <laughs> Well, you know, it seems to uh, to here in America that a lot of your cousins are in power over there in Iraq. Well, we's kind of the first family of Iraq, I guess you'd say. But uh, again, Alawi, why is he the high mucky muck? He's not even a good neurologist. My, my aunt Baba went to see him for a rash, and he told her she's got chicken pox. Turned out it was shingles. Guy's a quack. Well, I, I understand he is a neurologist, but I, I think maybe there was a misunderstanding here. What do you mean? Well, your chicken pox virus, that, that does actually cause the shingles. <laughs> Is that so? Yes. <laughs> what are you, some kind of doctor now or something? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. So uh, tell me, Doc, uh, using the cyclovir uh, was okay? Yeah, a acyclovir. Yeah, that, that works fine, yeah. Uh, well, uh, maybe we'll give him that one. Uh, but Cousin Mohammed went to see him, and he had his lumbago for weeks. I say he'll always a quack. Yeah, but but he is the new leader of Iraq. Eh, for better or worse. Look it, I got some errands. They're putting new mini blinds in over at Abu Ghraib, and uh, I'm going to help them pick new colors. Any uh, any favorites? Well, I'm uh, leaning toward the harvest peach. Or uh -huh. the lemon mist. Uh -huh. Anything but that military olive. Okay. Always affect people's moods, you know. Yeah, well, some people think so. If they hadn't had that lousy olive green, I think some abuses might well have been avoided in the prison, you know. Uh-huh. Well, good luck with that, Crazy Eddie, and please come back soon. Okay, pal. We, we do value getting input from people on the ground in Iraq. Well, I got one more question for you, Dougie. It's kind of important. Yeah. Uh, do you think burgundy is a good color for blinds? I have it in my study. Okay, then. 
shoulder rocket. <laughs> All righty, we'll see you. Thank you. That's it for the program. This show was produced by Mr. Edward McMillan. We would like to thank Dr. Howard McKinney, uh, Trina Ray from Nat Pasadena's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, our media correspondent Gary Chu, and of course, Crazy Eddie Chalabi over in Baghdad. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Stay tuned now for Todd. <laughs>